Hier een zetsel word aan jou gebring die Radio Kaapse Kansel op 729 AM. Bezoek ons gerust by www.kaapsekansel.co.za A place where we learn about deep connection with yourself, those close to you, and, and with, with God. God. In our program, we deal with reality, restoration, and redemption in the face of addiction. We uncover intimacy as seeing into me and the role it plays in healthy, authentic, and thriving relationships. In our 39 years of marriage, our understanding of intimacy has grown tremendously. I am Frederick Woolz. And I am Supi Woolz. In our jobs as licensed counsellors, we continue to learn about the crucial role of intimacy and relationships. With the rapid development of technology, there are many distractions such as our phones and uh, social media and the internet and gaming that so easily lure us into a virtual world, away from face-to-face, intimate connections in the here and now. Because of our exposure to the internet, many people fall into the trap of process and substance addiction as a substitute for intimate relationship with themselves, God and others. So, please join us uh, for our weekly journey into deeper and greater intimacy and connection, especially to those closest to you. Last week we spoke to Nikki about where one can share um, our hurts, hang-ups and habits in a safe space where there's acceptance, love, without judgment and condemnation. Today we're going to talk to Brendan and Kate Buerta um, where, about where an addict can be safe to share what is happening in their lives. They from a ministry break free and they will tell you a little bit more about that later. Welcome with us Brendan and Kate. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, Brendan and Kate, for joining us. Yeah, so you're involved in a ministry where you are ministering to individuals and couples that are trapped in sexual addiction, uh, and that's that whole cycle. It's a privilege to have us uh, have you with us over the phone all the way from Peter Maritzburg. Um, your passion that I've read is to make South Africans aware of the harm and damage pornography causes in the relationships and intimacy with God, with others, and with themselves. Um, there are also you also offer hope to be set free from the captivity of sexual addiction through your ministry, Break Free. Um, what I've often noticed and realized is that ministries are often born out of brokenness. Brandon, how true is this for you? Oh yes, I'd definitely say it's definitely true. Um, so I I had about a 10-year struggle with porn from an early age um, and only started fighting it um, towards the end of high school. Mm. Um, and um, a number of years later on, um, there was a family a family situation that culminated in the discovery of porn-riddled devices. Um, and at that stage, um, I kind of, kind of came to the realization that um, that could have been me. That person mm. could have been me. Um, but then the second realization, though, is that um, my story could also help others. And mm. um, that, that combating this, this porn addiction cycle um, needs to be done on a more public scale. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where Break Free started. 
Okay, thank you so much. When was that? When did it start? Uh, it was around four years ago now. Okay, and what do you guys actively do? Um, I am I'm an IT administrator by trade. So, um, uh, and only recently have been have been a um, a, a uh, lay counselor as well. Um, so I kind of used most of that IT background to to um, put, to um, present and try and look for IT intervention mechanisms. So mm-hmm. we use a lot of my own story and, and a bit of the counseling background that I have to show how pornography um, changes and damages the brain and relationships. And then I try and use the IT background to say that um, the things that can be done, not only from... Um, a counselling background, but but in particular from the wealth of of IT that's out there. Mm-hmm. So, so Br- Brendan, I'm hearing that um, there was a stage when you were addicted to pornography, and uh, the next story we hear is that you're in ministry. Um, so there is nothing like a quick fix or a little something that a person can do just to snap out of this thing. Um, what were some of the steps that you took? Sure. Um, yeah, that was a long process. Um, I think having come from a ten-year addiction cycle um, through, um, you know, the, the early stages of my life and into my teens, um, it's it's be you know I knew that it was going to be a long, hard. It was a ten-year cycle that I was feeding um, pornography addiction into my into my brain and body. Mm-hmm. So it was going to take a long time to get that out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the time, there wasn't the same technology available today. So um, the intervention methods and uh, the stuff that I started doing to train my brain differently was um, was a lot of hard work. Mm. Um, and there were many lapses along the way. Um, but um, through consistency, through um, a, a couple of good relationships with people around me, um, mm. they they've helped to encourage me out. And um, for sure, I can only say that by God's grace, uh, my brain has <laughs> relatively been uh, restored to normal. Yeah. Wow, I'm so curious about the role of technology and that played in your recovery because you mentioned that 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 is your focus. So did. And and we always talk about safe spaces and relationships and the importance and a relationship with God, of course, and other safe people. Um, but in what way, what role did technology play in your recovery journey? Um, the in terms of recovery, or maybe um, a lack of technology that that's why you want to bring it in now. Yeah. So the there was the. Um, accountability systems that are available at the moment, the internet filters that are available at the moment, the firewalls that are around, none of those existed really for um, particular cellular devices, but for um, readily available for home use, that wasn't around. Um, so there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, I, I read a lot of books um, and try to implement um, physical strategies to try and help make myself aware of what's going on. The um, the use of technology to help me in that really was um, I'd, I'd ended up setting I think I think there was almost a reminder every hour or every half hour on my phone to pray or recite scripture mm. um, and uh, so I think that's where <laughs> technology um, came to my aid in the early days. Mm. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. Now, what I hear is is that important shift from we express our feelings, we process the whole thing, but then we need to find our base in Christ eventually and connect with him deeply because we cannot help ourselves. We cannot fix ourselves. We really need him. Kate, when did you come into the picture? So we started dating when I was 15 and Brendan was 19. Um, And it was shortly before we started dating that he um, recognized that he had an addiction and um, decided to start fighting it. So um, at the time, I didn't realize the degree to which he was involved and the severity of his struggle and just what he was actually viewing. Um, I don't know that we'd be married. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I think um, the Lord is merciful. And um, I sort of realized it over the years because I think it would have been far too much for me to deal with at the time, Um, being so young. And um, I'm also a pastor's daughter. Mm. So I came from a very, a very, um, I want to say sheltered. I wasn't naive, but I certainly um, had no clue about anything uh, like about, yeah, I had no idea about porn addiction and so it was all very new to me. You said that you wouldn't get married (laughs) and I totally get that because I hear that from many ladies that we speak to. If I knew what the extent of the problem was, I had no clue. And if even if if people tell us, then we have no idea what it actually means. Um, So what have you done? Is there a point where you came to be safe with each other? Because obviously there was a huge lack of, of being safety in the interaction of during the addictive phases. Yeah, so I think um, because we were teenagers at the time, there was a lot that Brendan couldn't talk through with me just for the sake of our relationship. Um, it wouldn't have been helpful for him to share his struggles with me at that point. Um, so what we did was uh, we've we found accountability, obviously, outside. So he would tell me that he was struggling with it, but he never went into detail, which I think was really helpful. At the time, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to mm-hmm. know. I, yeah, I just was like, I don't want any secrets between us. But now, in retrospect, I realize how useful it was being in a dating relationship not to have that information. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, yeah, we needed accountability. He needed accountability. I needed somewhere, some place to sort of vent um about certain things. And so we found a married couple that also had been in a long dating relationship. We dated for seven years before we got married. Um, so, yeah, it was it was useful to have a couple that had been through that long road as well. And we saw them together as a couple, and we also saw them on an individual basis, and they walked us through um, yeah, the road pre-marriage. Hmm. Oh, thank you, Kate. And um, Brendan, at what stage did you start feeling, okay, now I'm comfortable, I feel safe, uh, my relationship is not going to collapse, that you could start sharing more openly? What were the circumstances or what could you put in place for that? Um, it was it was a bit of a gamble, actually. Um, so um, one, of, one of the um, books that I read, um, they said that um, as – as the person who's in the cycle, there's going to come a point where you actually need to take a bit of courage and approach somebody. Um, and um, so it was it was a little bit of a gamble that I approached Kate at the time. Um, but uh, I, from the relationship that was building, um, I, I had the sense that she 
not necessarily that she wasn't going to freak out, but um, that she was going to give it thought. Um, mm. That she she doesn't um, she doesn't over I can't say she doesn't overreact, but she doesn't um, <laughs> she she doesn't uh, she doesn't react without giving a, um, a fair amount of thought. Um, and once she has thought about it, then she then she um, she then decides what to do from there. So um, unlike myself, I'll generally react off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken a long, long time to kind of calm that down. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, Kate has feelings, but she doesn't react, and she takes it over a few days, maybe weeks, and she works those feelings out, mm-hmm. and then we'll come up with something. Um, so, um, using that off the base, um, I took a bit of courage to say, "Listen, this is where I'm at." Um, there were a lot of uh, life changes going on at the time because um, uh, my my conversion to Christianity was really twofold over about two years. And um, this uh, final step in, in um, combating pornography came in the, in the se- at the second point. And, and, mm. and I thought it was a challenge to, to kind of be an authentic man of God or not. Um, and mm. so that's, that's, where, that's where, where that came from. Thank you for sharing that. But I also hear what you're saying, what we often call the difference between responding and reacting. For some of us in relationships, often for the one partner at least, sometimes for both of them, it's in, it's extremely hard not to react um, yeah. because that is what we do immediately. Um, or, but to rather respond in a in a wise way at a time when it's okay to do that. And that's part of creating the safety net. But we need to just take a quick break for music and we'll, back, we'll be back after that. Sure, thank you very much. Uh, we enjoyed that break. Uh, uh, Brendan, you were talking about uh, the secrecy that you had at one stage and then you joined a, a couple or you joined in with a couple that gave you the safe space. Um, and uh, I was wondering, have you attended uh, a 12-step group um, to help you and to support you? And where did you get your support to move out of your addiction? Um, so, no, I, I haven't um, uh, attended any 12-step group. Um, the, the couple that we, we had as an, as an accountability um, couple, they, they were really fantastic to us. Um, but um, they kind of were, were practically walking through with us um, what to do and how to communicate and how to think through things. Um, one of them was is an is a occupational therapist, a counseling occupational therapist. So they, they helped us to, to think through our responses. Um, yeah, the, the the time that I started falling in love with reading was the the time that I started battling with um, making this decision to to make a stand against pornography, um, and um, I I then just ended up reading um, hundreds of books um, along alongside scripture, mm. and um, many of the challenges that I came across were often um, memorizing scripture. So I'd often um, use the the early technology of of my um, of my reminders to to remind me to recite certain passages, and I had to do so. Um, I made it a thing where I had to recite the scripture um, verbatim and quoting where it came from. If I didn't know that, then I had to pull out a Bible and 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 um, and, and research it. But um, mm. yeah, there was a, there was a lot of research going on um, in the background. There was a lot of most of it was from the states because there was very little in South Africa at the time. Mm. Wow. So you said you also said that um, or that you formed a picture of the Bible. But can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Um, so um, often, 
often we'll um, we'll read certain passages or we'll go through devotion or something like that. Um, but uh, my brain functions a little bit differently. Um, I really enjoy I really enjoy history. Um, but in order in order to to understand history, you've got to understand the storyline of people. Um, and um, and that that I found really helpful when reading the Bible is I'd read massive chunks of scripture um, as as close to poss- as as close to each other as possible to get an idea of where the story is going, how events are building up, who came in at what time, um, what the what the interactions were, and um, so doing massive bulk reading um, through scripture um, that, that I found that it was a very a very great help to see um, how people reacted to God, how they reacted to each other, how God reacted back to them. Um, and that, that for me gave me a, a pretty good picture um, uh, holistically of of, um, of what you know, God's history and humankind. Mm. Oh, thank you, Brendan. Um, so it, it sounds like this was a particular journey you walked. Um, how was, Kate, how were you involved in this journey? I think I definitely became more involved after we got married. Um, I definitely feel like I sort of realized the extent of it only once we were married, mm-hmm. which is a bliss. And I, yeah, I think I don't know that I would have coped at the time. Yeah. But I am very fortunate to be on the other side of this addiction. I never had to struggle through it knowing what he was doing. And so I, I don't feel that I can speak from that point of view so much. Mm. But Certainly, there have been points. There've there've been lapses, and but it's a process. And to accept that as a wife is hard because you you have to know that it's not going to be a quick fix, like we said earlier. It's a process. It's long, and there are going to be times where they slip up, and it's it's hard not to feel um, like you're not good enough. But yeah, it's it's. I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so during during the the early stages, when um, when I first let Katie know that I um, about this porn addiction and that I was trying to fight it, I had to try and um, be careful in what I said to her so that I didn't cause her to stumble. Um, at the same time, I had to make sure that I was being honest enough with, with her and frank enough with her that she understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she she took that in a stride and, and she very quickly came to. Um, to realise the the struggle, um, mm. even though she didn't she didn't know the extent, she started to understand a little bit about how my brain was going, how my brain was working, and what was going on on inside it, um, mm. and the, the the battle that I was facing with hormones wanting one thing, but my brain and heart wanting another, mm. Um, mm. and um, and she she quickly came to to see that that's a, a sometimes the other wins, and it's you know. Um, that she also had a part to play in that um, was was something that um, she slowly started realizing and and then acting on, which is great. Yes, what I hear is that Kate started understanding the cycle so she could see what was happening to you. But Kate, you also mentioned something earlier um, that you really had to fight the lies and that you still need to, um, that you're not good enough. I think that's such an important thing that you said there because it's a common thing that wives partners of addicts experience because the first thing is to think why does he do this because maybe i'm not doing something right uh, or maybe i'm not good enough or i don't look good enough or or or, you know those lies 
And uh, that is amazing what Brendan also said about the Bible and how the Bible helps us to counteract those lies in terms of our identity in Christ. But also as we continue to be able to be honest with each other and share in safe spaces that we can trust one another, where this becomes easier as the relationship continues, right? Yeah. Mm. So, Kate, um, Katie, I hear that Brendan was calling you. Um, mm -hmm. You you did face some challenges. And uh, so where were you able to feel that you are supported in a safe environment uh, when you are not with uh, Brendan himself? Um, where were you able to find uh, safe spaces? I think um, in account, like having somebody to speak to, it's, it's a struggle that many women face mm. and it's a struggle that you can't really speak about like it's not your secret to share it's not mm. something mm. that you can bring out into open with many people and i think it's it's something that's still got quite a stigma attached to it so there's not a lot of um yeah there's, there's just not a lot of safe spaces yet available um openly if that makes sense mm. so it was really useful for me to have somebody else other than him to talk to and to just process those feelings objectively without feeling like I had to sort of filter my response because mm. I think what's so important with this um, is that because it's so sensitive, you you cannot just let rip at your spouse. You have to rein yourself in and know that it took guts for them to come and speak to you. Mm. So you have to just take time away from them to process it and to get all those feelings out, all those emotions out, so that when you do speak to them, you are controlled and composed, so that you don't chase them back to the pond, but rather draw them in and know that they're supported by you. Wow. You voice what, what so many women would say if they would have had a chance to talk on this program, the, the <laughs> struggle. No, absolutely. I speak to many ladies and... Um, and part of the counseling that I do and walk with them. And it, it's just a very common thing to have a safe space and how hard it is and the responsibility we have in our responses. And we don't always get it right, right? <laughs> we, no. we don't live in a perfect world. And there are times when it works and there are times when it doesn't work. Mm. But it, but like you say, it's hard to find those safe spaces, but so important and crucial to be able to yeah. find that. And I think that's part of what we'd love to also educate people around us that many people also, unfortunately, in churches, we this is not a common thing. People don't know how to respond. And it's very hard for us as Christians to go um, to someone and to say, I'm struggling with this. You know, for me, it happened while we were missionaries in China. So you can imagine um, it was very, very difficult. But I was so fortunate to be able to find groups, Christian groups, like counseling groups. And from mm. there, I got introduced to the 12 steps. And even now, I'm part of a 12-step group, COSA, um, that are for codependents of sex addicts. And I'm able to, to, to walk with a group of ladies in a safe space where we can talk about these things and also in other Christian recovery groups. So that is a great privilege. So I hope that in time to come, there would be more of these groups available to people all over South Africa. Yeah, so thank you so much, uh, Brendan and Kate, for sharing with us and taking the time to share your story and experiences. And I'm so grateful to God that um, the stories didn't stay with the brokenness, 
But as we see many times that from the brokenness comes a ministry and a blessing and uh, for, for those in the future and for yourselves and to bless many others. Thank you very much for sharing with us. And next week we're going Thanks to continue to talk to you. We're looking forward to that. So listeners, continue to send your comments, remarks and questions to Frederick Suki at kpulpit.co.za. Till next time. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions to frederiksuki at kpulpit.co.za. Frederick Suki, one word, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-K-S-O-E-K-I-E at kpulpit.co.za. Let's connect next week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.